0: Mm-hmm. what really
1: oh does that mean we're going
0: hi welcome to new polity we are doing a christmas special
1: happy christmas everybody <laughs>
0: do you tell your children that santa claus is real andrew santa claus is real okay well, there you go oh i was asked this uh recently like <laughs> do you do you lie to your child about santa claus and i was sort of caught off guard because i'm like already lying to him about green lantern so it just seems like <laughs> additional like oh yeah no, no 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 santa claus is just the surface my kids <laughs> there's think, a whole world my kids
2: think it's ridiculous when someone suggests that he's not real because he's just saint nicholas and right even right. saint nicholas isn't real
1: uh i see they think yeah. it's like
2: a like an outrageous accusation like what you got- do and, and it's like Satan, like what yeah, St. Nicholas is real. He's in heaven. He's looking at you right now saying he's not real. Like the Virgin Mary. Like you're really and it's gonna like, call her fake. It's like, oh yeah, I guess he is real. It's like, yeah, so don't say things like that. <laughs> and
0: then they they punch you and then you Yeah, like, it's like yeah. what?
1: What do you mean he's not real? What do, some people try and <laughs> some people try and make the distinction between like the commercialized capitalized Yeah, but you see, here's Santa. here's you wonder what my take on that is I do, yeah.
2: Is that is That's that I was bringing it is up, that actually. people people are They're they're trying to Uh be like, oh, look how we resist the world and do this. But actually they're betraying their worldliness because it's like that whatever world they're living in is dominated by, by the commercial Santa. Mm. And so now they feel like they have to counter that somehow, Mm. but it's like, that's because you're too in the world. If you're outside of the world, Santa, isn't the commercial Santa. Your kids don't even know about the commercial Santa. Right. Right. And so it's like Santa is who you tell them he is. And that's St. Nicholas. And there's no like you don't have to lie you don't have to do anything because they don't it's not like they're being dominated by Coca Cola Santa you know they don't even so like like, it so, might, like so might the real face... answer is just
0: just blow up your TV not not like redefine Santa exactly yeah, yeah.
2: And, the, and and not and not it's like yeah yeah you get yourself it's like you you have one foot in one foot out that's the reason why you feel like you have to lie mm. get both feet out then you don't have to lie. <laughs> That's my that's my take on that's it. That's
0: good. Well, that's what we're doing here today is is, <laughs> is warm and and gingerbread tasting takes on Christmas.
1: Yep, take both feet out. Yep. <laughs> that's so why we I'm really wearing the know. hat? Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you don't shake your head. Well, but it's an much.
0: it's an audio. For, it's it's a hat that's friendly for the people listening on the podcast and the video because
1: it's got these little jingle bells. It's like NPR. You know, you get some really slow talking people. The people who can't see you then do you that get right there are
2: really missing out.
1: <laughs> Try do it again. Would you? All right, all right. All right. <laughs> Anyways, to business. Jeez. Well, should we talk about the Bible?
0: <laughs> oh yeah.
1: <clears throat> we don't have to. No, it's it. fine. All right.
0: Do I mean, this is like the most wonderful time of the year <laughs> and charlie brown the true meaning of christmas is in the bible
1: what does he charlie brown say i actually don't know what mm.
0: you don't i my you know kids watched, yeah, charlie brown oh, no. it's this whole oh, oh man no. oh no it's it's like it's a great setup because it's this big like yearly christmas movie that everyone watches mm-hmm. and it's looking for the true meaning of christmas and where pretty much every movie you watch that looks for the true meaning of Christmas doesn't find it. They just pretend they do, and are like, it's it in always, giving and friends. It's like, like no, that's like everything
2: believing, just <laughs> generically believing. So bell, so you'll hear the bells ringing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just belief. Just belief. Like belief in what? Just you have to believe. Belief in in the sovereignty of Hitler. <laughs> could be could be one thing <laughs> you just have to believe in the spirit of christmas that is the spirit that like the meaning of christmas is to believe in the meaning of christmas right, i know exactly that becomes yeah <laughs> but the point is the point is wow. that that, that we, you get sort of
0: you know it's a genius little animation but you're getting all prepped for something lame like that and then they just what's the uh, you know it's like somewhere at the end what's the true meaning of christmas and then they just start reading the bible yeah uh, i think the narrative from luke I think it's been, yeah, yeah, which well, is
2: which cool. is the, 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 the kind of awesome, yeah, early '60s post-war America where it was you could still pull that stuff off. The last
0: gasp, man. Yeah, that's cool. I said, well, I did see a well. This is actually just further evidence of the fact because have you ever read? Have, have you read the comics in the newspaper recently? Do you get you get a newspaper? I like do syndicated comics like there's the um, I
2: don't I don't my kids would be able to talk to you about that.
0: Okay, anyways, They're... there's this really awful <laughs> one. Just... <laughs>
2: Because only his kids read the newspaper. No, yeah, the yeah, comics. Yeah, yeah. I'm busy with the, the business section.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Rising and grinding, baby.
2: The,
0: the, the point is there's some, there's some continued Christian uh, efforts there. That's all. Okay. <laughs> we should move on. <laughs> In Family Circus. You don't read Family Circus. It's incredible. I remember it from... Your family is a circus.
2: Yeah, that's a fact. <laughs> Anyways, that's a
1: fact. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to your kids' Christmas pageant this year, Andrew. Oh, I know. They've
2: been practicing it. It's very funny. You know, it's comedic.
1: Oh, man. Oh, it has yeah, to, It's not yeah. serious.
2: It's it's slapstick. It, if it was serious, it would probably still be comedic. So imagine four <laughs> boys between the ages of six and 12 yeah. as, like, the, the, the backbone of it. Okay. And they're writing it themselves. So you can imagine the kind of, like, a lot of falling down, a lot yeah. of people getting hit with things. Right. You know. The That's donkey great. not going. Yeah, things. it's very was... funny. It's very yeah. funny. That's good. I mean, if you're in the right mindset, you have
1: to put yourself in the in the place. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: it's not sophisticated. <laughs> is what, <I'm> saying. <laughs> what do what do they do about the god kings? What are they going to do? Have they done it? I can't. Actually, yeah, is there a Herod? A, does a Herod yeah. show up? There
2: is Herod. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's always uh And last year, Herod was obsessed with COVID. <laughs> So like the magi show up and he's like masked. Herod is all masked up and like with screens and like all worried about whether or not they've had the, the, whether or not they're they've taken the proper precautions. Well, I mean, they're the protocols from out there in the east. I mean, yeah, holes. right. They're dirty probably. They have germs on them, right? So like, yeah, that was they, the way they did Herod was. That he was he was like a left coast, like west coast, um, uh, you know, COVID believer. Wow! Like like faithful, yeah.
1: That's just creepily accurate. I know. You know? It's awesome.
0: <laughs> I'm sure it was not your influence in the house. No, 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 yeah. no. Yeah, these kids, these kids these days. Oh, these crazy kids.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it is kind of strange though, just generally that the both <clears throat> Luke and Matthew have like god kings at the very beginning Absolutely. but different ones well know. it's not
0: strange if you've been
2: listening to us well that's true <laughs> <laughs> and who's gonna listen to us right. during christmas that's except a point. for everybody that's listening yeah no i to I, us, so. I think that that is i think that one thing is that we we're so because we read the we're such a christian culture and we read the bible so much and it's so penetrated our like just way of speaking and thinking that we forget or we just like almost automatically explain these references away. Like they're just sort of mm. spiritualized
1: yeah. word games. Yeah. yeah. Do you know
2: what you know what I mean? And so like when you have in, in Luke, when you have the angel to Mary, you know, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus and he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom and of his kingdom, there will be no end. This isn't, this isn't like, oh, oh yeah, but we're talking about like the kingdom of your heart.
1: You know, it's funny. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> or we're, something. <laughs> we're in the middle of this, this, novena right now. And, 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 uh, when, when they cite Christ saying that the kingdom of God is among you, they literally then put in parentheses oh, no. in your heart. Yeah. They literally did Not that. Not that kind of kingdom.
2: Don't worry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't worry, Herod. Mm-hmm. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> Like that.
0: Kind of... <laughs> I mean, it is true that, that I don't know what else we mean when we talk about, you know, God entering human history. If we don't actually mean human history, it's like He entered human history, which means our language, which means what we mean when we say king and what we mean when we say kingdom, and what right. actually is present when we're talking about Jacob, like who is a person. Yeah, and and, and then we're like, yeah, but but not really,
2: but not really. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah.
0: It's but but obviously we're here to say the opposite. It is in fact the Establishment of a kingdom of genuine peace, which is why I think you're driving at this that uh, it's no accident that, um, not only is Christ, uh, not only does he come as king, but he comes in opposition to kings, mm. right? Because he's born, um, escaping the murderous intent of a Herod and he's born under the census of Caesar, mm-hmm. right? So he's sort of uh, I think C.S. Lewis talked about him, Christ, as a as a paratrooper that like, goes behind enemy lines during the night. And yeah. I think there's a real, I mean, if you add that he's also a rival king and going behind enemy lines at night, you pretty much got it, that um, he begins his combat as a baby mm-hmm. against the kings of this earth who always tend towards um, creating idolatrous slave states. Right. That's what Christmas is all about. Absolutely.
1: There is um...
0: Charlie Brown.
2: <laughs> it's about slave states,
1: dude. Slave states. Get
2: with
0: it. You want to see a Christmas pageant I'll show you a Christmas. Pageant. <laughs> no, but it's true, right? I mean, uh, like most Christmas pageants don't include like the slaughter of the innocents or something, but it seems yeah. to be as much a part of the of the narrative. Well, there's than this, then else. There,
2: there's the theology. So this is what, when God enters history, he enters, like you said, he enters into actual history. And so he takes, he takes the theology, the ideas that are there, the, the structures that are there, yeah. and then, <clears throat> and then turns them on their head or redirects them in a way because they're not totally depraved. They're always capable. Yeah. They're always capable of bearing the truth if they're yeah. just tweaked the right way. Right? So you, you have, for example, the Magi coming and going, um, you know, we saw his star rising, the king of the Jews. They referred to him as the king of the Jews. And and then we want to go worship him. And then Herod's response is, yeah. where is he Where is he going to be? And then his his like scholars tell him, cite to him the passage about how the king is going to come from Bethlehem. Yeah. And then he says to the Magi, go find him so I can come worship him, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's, it's important that we understand, it's like, we want to say, oh, but that's because he's God. And so they're going to, they worship him because you worship, and it's like, well, Sort of, that's right. But the point is that to these guys, kings are gods. Yeah, right. To yeah. these these guys are are and, and yeah, so it was
0: totally comprehensible to go to someone and be like, hey, where's the king? I king, I want to I worship. Want to him. worship yeah, yeah.
2: That wasn't like what? Why would you worship a king? You must be talking about the son of the messiah. You know, like the son of God, God in a yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of incarnational sense. Yeah. Like that's not that's not what they're thinking at all. And the point is that 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 the the true son of God can enter right into that political theology. Yeah, and and render it. um moot by making it true yeah it's right awesome. so it's like now when you worship this king this boy king mm-hmm. it is in fact god right so you're you're like it's you're render it's he's rendering your that, that impulse towards that idolatry not idol- exactly not idol yeah
0: and then when we talk about it being merciful that's that's what we mean that it's not just like he becomes a baby right i mean the most humble of men To save us from our folly, right? And he doesn't require of us that can, or rather he does, but he is the causal agent in our conversion, right? Because he doesn't just say, well, I mean, it's similar with him giving the law. He doesn't say, okay, once once you fully understand, then I'll come so you can worship me properly. Mm -hmm. He's saying, no, 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 you are enslaved. You're worshiping men. That original sin of desiring to be like God has really played out to a maximum level um, in in which men really are being worshiped as God. And I'm going to exchange the object of your idolatry for the true God. It's very similar to the law. I mean, we talk about Jesus as the law of God. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we do anyways. Um, And it's very similar, right? Like it wasn't that God was saying, well, you guys are so good and so capable that I can give you my divine law. It was that, Oh, you guys are already obeying tyrannical laws you guys are already in structures in which you're obeying laws that come from kings mm-hmm. so i'm going to give you a law i'll be that, your king and so you don't actually have to change your fundamental mode rather it's the humility of god to enter that into the mode. causes the the, the the dynamic difference like right. now we're doing something entirely different and it's it's i mean we talk about the primacy of grace i mean i, don't, I can't think of any other or, or a better place to put it like the primacy of grace is that we don't change. God changes for us and then we change as a result. It's like right. now we're obeying a law that comes from God, so we're becoming more and more godlike. When it wasn't it wasn't because we deserved it or did something that we're ready for this law in the same way. We were worshiping kings, we were enslaved to idols and demons, and then God had the humility to become the object of our worship without us yet changing our hearts. He began to change our hearts. Yeah, that's, that's
2: the true. way grace is. Grace comes to us. Comes first. And I and want that... to
1: read this real quick. This is just so... <clears throat> Yeah, kind of exemplify what you guys are saying. This is uh, an old inscription in the marketplace of Pri- Priyini, uh in Turkey.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah of course, place. this one. Nice yeah. oh, great dates. Mm-hmm.
1: Really? Wow. <laughs> <Story-friendly>. <laughs> um. Does anybody listen? Can hey Dave? Can you get us some dates? Uh, <laughs> so this comes from the marketplace there. The place of the great dates, and and it's written specifically by the high priests of that time, Apollonius of Menophilus, Azanetus. Says so a, say ju- a time ju-
0: Jewish high priest in Turkey.
1: No, no, no oh, Sorry, this is this is a Roman high priest. Oh, 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 oh. And, oh, it's, gotcha. and this is like a Roman outpost. Particularly, it is gotcha. exactly. Gotcha. And then it's particularly talking about like the appearance of Caesar. And he says. Since providence, which has ordered all things and is deeply interested in our life, has set in most perfect order by giving us Augustus, whom she filled with virtue that he might benefit humankind, sending him as a savior, both for us and for our descendants, Mm -hmm. that he might end war and arrange all things, and since he, Caesar, by his appearance, excelled even our anticipations surpassing all previous benefactors, and not even leaving to posterity any hope of surpassing what he has done. And since the birthday of the God Augustus was the beginning of the good tidings for the world that came by reason of him. Yeah. So, I mean, just think about all these kind of Christological correspondence in this. I mean, we have him as the savior. He's the one that ends all war. He's the, he's a bearer of peace. He's the prince of peace. Right. He has a big he's, birthday. He's he has a big birthday. He's the benefactor, also. You know, which yeah. Christ obviously often you know, we often bring up that Christ calls the kings of these the earth. But it's not that
2: this is Christological. It's no. That, it's that
1: Christ is imperial, exactly. And so he is coming. As, awesome. as you were just saying, comes into this context. Right. He's recognizable. Within this context, and then he changes it mm-hmm. completely. And I'll just kind of read one other thing. It's so like,
0: daring. I mean, I I really think there's another. Well, you read one other thing. I'm gonna cross my fingers. I do this when I have to remember something. I cross my work? fingers.
1: Do you remember what you have to remember? Yeah, usually. You want not you say it?
0: Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's the um. It's the east or not? It's the Christmas antiphon. Is not the right word. It's like before the mass. Oh, oh. no! It's like. Anyways, there's there's a traditional chant that we're doing at at St. Peter's. Um, Shout out to another Jacob who's actually doing it. Um, But it's this long chant that's basically narrowing in on the precise time when Mm. Jesus was born. So it starts in this broad, like, during the reign of whoever. (laughs) And I forget all of it, except for the end where it it says under Augustus, when all the world was at peace. Right. right. Mm -hmm. Then... Jesus comes. And I think this is like, this is difficult in some ways because th- there's two ways of maybe looking at this, right? And it really defines two different political theologies or at least two different directions within political theology. On the one hand, you can say that Christ came when all the world was at peace um, through the Roman empire, which is what's meant, guess August- And that's what was meant in that inscription, mm-hmm. right? That he, he establishes a peace. And you can say that, well, Christ is, that that is preparation for Christ, precisely because that is most like unto Christ. That he is the true Prince of Peace. So when we approximate worldly peace, sort of close enough, then Christ—it's a natural setting, as it were. I mean, insofar as you can have a natural setting for you got a sort of two-tier, two-tier. Yeah. schema here yeah exactly like <laughs> nature's been perfected in up, in up
2: to a certain level and then supernatural will take over from there
0: well no but it's it's really quite i mean people really do say this like right, like like well we go through all the wisdom of the greeks and yeah, yeah. and aristotle and plato and that gets us only so far nice and then by neat, grace we nice get
2: neat nature grace dichotomy right okay or uh that's <laughs>
0: <laughs> always showing our cards yeah. Or, the, or the, <laughs> the other direction of political theology is to say um Uh, with Christ that there are two kinds of peace. I mean, Christ says this later, right? That he comes to bring peace, but not as the world brings. And that the peace established by um, uh, Caesar, by Augustus is the kind of, it is a certain perfection as it were, or like maximization of what kind of peace the world can bring, but it is the peace that comes from domination. It is the peace of a successful
2: uh, empire of slaves. (laughs) You know, know, uh, St. Augustine? Yeah. I've heard of him. Oh yeah. Saint that Augustine, guy. Th- yeah. Who, who has the answer to work. most questions, yeah. by the way. Um, he talks about this, about the peace of the empire. And, 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 and the way, one of the ways he talks about it is um, with language, which is opening a big can of worms. But, but the, the, the setting is that human beings are, are linguistic and that we, we talk to each other and we would a foreigner, someone who we can't talk to is someone who's who's close to us that we'd rather hang out with our dog is what he says than hang out with with someone whose speech we can't understand and and what he's talking (laughs) about is is the way human peace is established through through discourse like that we can share something Mm -hmm. and then he goes and then he talks about the empire and he's like now so how is it that the empire is established and he says well, the empire has managed to spread one language. He's talking about Latin. Mm. One language over the entire empire. And has st- and through that has established a sort of peace. Right. And then he says, but through such slaughter and bloodshed and domination, was that accomplished? Right. Right. Like that. It's like, yeah, there is a sort of peace. That's a sort of mimic of the way we really are at peace, which is by talking to mm-hmm. each other, but only through Only through war, right, right, yeah.
1: Erosius, you know his his one of his students, one of Saint Augustine's students, tried to carry on the city of God, yeah, or kind of rewrite certain parts of it and such. And he actually brings up the the reign of Augustus as this reign of peace, and and he particularly says that Christ wanted to approve his reign and thus came in the middle of it. Which is a really strange idea.
2: Boo! But, yeah. <laughs> well, one, one way I, that I, that well, the fathers yeah. come up with to talk about this sometimes is that there's a functional um, convenience to the right. to the worldly piece. No, I think that's
1: what he's actually saying. Yeah, because
2: it allows the gospel to spread. Yeah. And,
1: <laughs> and he says he approves it in so far as it's the first time in history where disciples apostles could actually yeah. cross borders and bring yeah, the yeah. gospel. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You know? right.
0: But this is precisely. But this is precisely what we're saying is the undermining of christmas like the it it uses the piece of babylon the piece of caesar right. um f- but but <laughs> turns it on its head and doesn't cha- endorse this it. ends yeah, yeah it's like right, right. you know and, and you can see this all the time like it's actually a theme throughout the old testament that i don't think it's spoken of too much that um there's a line that says i think it's in proverbs but I'll, i'm probably wrong but it says that the uh the wicked amass um, for the sake of the just. It's very confusing at first because the wicked amass for the sake of themselves. They're the ones taking all the property. They're the ones uh, ruling for private gain. But there's this hope in God's providence that um, such material amassments, insofar as they are amassed, now become very vulnerable to being turned over by the Lord or being turned over to the people of God, right? So you can imagine this in some ways like, You know, uh, well, you can just imagine this, right? Yeah, yeah. This kind of greedy taking up, and then the spoils spoils are there. So you think of of Egypt, right? Yeah, right. The Israelites go, and they despoil all of Egypt. Um, And it seems, in the same way, that there is a building up and amassing of material piece of of material language, of material um, Mm -hmm. empire, uh, geographical unity, that sort of thing, Um, that
2: then goes to the victor. Yeah, I mean, it, it's victor. it's important to see the historical coincidence here, because I think a lot of times in our general historical ignorance, right, we, hmm. we imagine, okay, Christ is being born, he's being incarnate into the Roman Empire. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, not really. I mean, Augustus is the first one.
1: Right, Mm -hmm. like this
2: is the beginning of the Roman Empire Mm -hmm. as an imperial order. Mm -hmm. So, so they built the republic has built this empire, and that, and it transitions. But Augustus is really the first of the god, the god emperors, right? So, so we're gonna from here on out, we're going to have a divine a divinity in, in, uh, in the imperial
1: throne. Whereas like with Julius Caesar, it was kind of a retroactive. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes retroactive and it becomes, he's a dictator.
2: He has these sort of pseudo constitutional functions. Right. Right. It's not until it's not until it's exactly at the same time that Christ is born, that the, the divine emperors are established.
0: Oh, wow. In the empire. Yeah.
2: Right. So you have this rivalry, from the very beginning, wow. right? Like this established in, in, and so it's not, and then through then the course of Roman history, what you're going to get is that the traditional polytheistic paganism is slowly over, over the f- first few hundred years, subordinated to a monotheistic worship of the emperor mm. right right by culminating in sort of diocletian so you have and then at the same time christianity is spreading so you what i'm what i'm getting at is you have these sort of two two diametrically opposed but but very profoundly united sort of solutions to the human problem okay. going on yeah. simultaneously in the empire you know well, it's very that's interesting an insane... yeah. And that's actually that
1: that um, inscription that i read is, is part of the propaganda mm-hmm. to go along with it this is 9 BC you know yeah, some just scholars beginning. Yeah. think that Christ was actually born that oh, year yeah, you yeah, know yeah. it's just yeah. also pretty funny or at least you know around that around that time period right but that's a great point I, I'll, just, I'll read this other thing real quick and this I think goes to the point of Christ coming in in the same place as Augustus mm-hmm. and as a king acting as a king completely differently so this is from the venerable bead. So this shows us in the tradition. It's not just us. Here we go. Augustus, Augustus peacefully reigned 12 years around the birth of Christ. So that the prophecy would be fulfilled to the letter. They would beat their swords in the plowshares. And their spears in the pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation. That's Isaiah 2. Christ desired to be born in the most peaceful time Because he greatly sought and loved peace, for he watches over the lovers of peace. He desired that the disciples whom he was going to send out preaching to be able to travel and be secure anywhere and be protected under the formidable shadow of the Roman name by the imminent sedition of impending treacheries. So, kind of seems positive so far. But then Venerable B goes on, he says, When the Lord was going to be born, the world was to be taxed, because he was appearing in the flesh who was consecrating his elect for all eternity, in whom the name of Augustus is truly fulfilled, who is capable to increase his own people, that man instructed them to distinguish themselves not by a public census of their money but by their oblation of faith with the old census of the synagogue being destroyed. The new census of the church was being prepared, which does not drive out torment, but relieves it and does not demand a coin, but a stamp of faith.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a different activity making use of
2: idolatry. It seems to me. Right. But it doesn't, but it doesn't leave it alone, nor does it, um, build something next to it. Mm. It, uh, replaces it. Like the kingship of Christ is a true kingship. Meaning like when you accept it, we don't need another king. Like there's no long, I mean, not, not in the, not in the pagan sense of a king. Now the kings, the Christian kings won't be kings, right? It's like, that's the, that's the weird thing about it is that, is I think that we, we, we start equivocating on the word king or at least or at least it becomes analogical, right mm. where like we, we refer you refer to the anointed medieval kings as kings or even or even the, the Christian emperors, even Constantine or Theodosius as kings. right. But, but they're not kings like the way the pagan kings were. Mm. They're not Now they're mediators of the kingship of Christ, right, right? Like their yeah. kingship is now is now beneath the, the kingship of the truth. Which they don't control, right. right? The order of the cosmos itself, the order of true of true and false, just and unjust, mm. is not there. Is not does not derive it. It does not derive its power from them. Um, well, that's just not. That's just not. That's that's missing an essential component of pre-Christian kingship.
1: Right. Well, and some of the medievals were aware of this. Yeah. I so, mean, so. I mean, they even say that. The word kingship is a little bit hit or miss because right. true kingship was seen seen through the book of Judges. Yeah. That yeah, interventionary yeah. action of someone atop the hierarchy, only breaking into the levels, lower levels of subsidiarity when it's necessary. Right. And that Samuel was like the last guy to to be a true king. And after that it was you know, there was a strong attempt to hold on to it, but it was kind of lost.
2: Yeah, know? but the I mean, it's that the king's yeah, the Christian kings become Davidic, but in that sort of way. Like yeah. the, like the law, David enforces the law, yeah. but does not make the law, right? Right, yeah. And that's not the same as the kings of the nations who are the source of law.
1: Right, yeah, an emergence. From and this them.
0: is also, I mean, a fulfillment of, of a... Revolution in kingship that begins in in the Old Testament is just rarely achieved. So mm-hmm. we talk about how the New Testament. Well, what's different from the New and the Old? Well, in part, it's that the New, because because it brings Christ, brings the ability to fulfill the Old to make efficacious what's in the Old. But it doesn't mean that it's not in the Old. So mm-hmm. what I mean is, like, you have in in the wisdom of Solomon, you have. Uh, words that are spoken against every pagan conception of kingship that I've come across in that, for that time for no King has had a different beginning of existence. There is for all mankind, one entrance into life and a common departure. And then the King Mm. is said to be under wisdom as his bride, he's married to wisdom, which is the law of Moses. And he has to be obedient Mm. to the law of Moses. I mean, it's just a different conception of kingship Mm -hmm. and Christ can fulfill it in his perfect obedience to the father while also being something,
1: obviously more (laughs) well i i want to ask along these lines about the wise men like why why do you think that the wise men show up right at the beginning of matthew's birth account
2: well i mean one thing would be that the epiphany to the nations is goes right along with what we've been talking about Mm -hmm. that the epiphany to the nations is in the mode of the nations Right. I mean, like they're astrologers. A star has risen. A mm. king is born. Right. Like, and they're going to go worship him. And I, I think that there's a prof- there's a real profundity to that. Right. It's not everything that you know, everything that you are is wrong. It's that I'm capable. I'm capable of showing you myself in your world. Right. Right. Mm. The world of the nations. Mm. Um, I mean, that that would be. I, I i mean that that's the way i've read that historically you know when i read it it's like oh this is this is him saying i am a king you're not wrong to come worship me as a king
0: but i do think i mean again we we have such a cultural baggage and for good reasons but i think the kind of understanding that the wise men were probably shocked to find him in a, in a manger i think that's probably true it's probably true yeah um because it's not simply – it is an entering into our world, and then it's also a breaking it. You know, yeah. Our world is being is being broken because our world is built up in structures of sin that have to be destroyed. And so one of those structures is um, – and, and maybe just the ordering structure is the, the worship of men. Um,
1: well, I, I do think he was in a house at that point.
0: Oh, was all oh, right for epiphany. That's true, but yeah. even so, yeah. he's, but he's, a, he's. I'm a, saying he's a poor that our baby. our feeling
2: exactly. about it is point. correct. I like it. The better. point. The point is that I they like don't it better when the wise men are at the stable.
1: Yeah, so. yeah <laughs> sorry to ruin it. Don't do Just that. saying that the Bible That's says like, it. Right the Bible says it right here. You know, <laughs> they saw him in the house that he was. So, anyways.
0: Well, I think one other one other part is the um, the flight into Egypt, um, because it it always references Well, this fulfills the prophecy out of Egypt. I've called my son. Mm-hmm. Um, the references to one Kings in the flight of Jeroboam uh, fr- uh, from Solomon after Solomon um, apostatizes. So if you go back to the, um, the story of Solomon, it's that you have a King who is supposed to be different, who's supposed to be not like unto the nations, um, but, but, following the law of Moses. Um, and he begins to go after foreign gods and utilize slave labor. And it's, it becomes dubious that he's on the right path. And then by the end, he God declares that no, he's not on the right path. He's trying to be a king like the nations. And so there is a uh, Jeroboam is, rises up as a rival and he's taken away to Egypt where he's safe. So it's not just So sometimes I think we hear these like fulfillment of the prophecies as if it's just like, well, this sentence was said, and so we have to Mm -hmm. make it fit over here. So, you know, we just brought Jesus to Egypt for a little bit. But um, it seems like he is once again showing us that he opposes um, the kingship of this earth with Mm -hmm. the kingship of heaven. And his going to Egypt is um,
2: teaching us that. That's fascinating. I, I think that the idea of, of, of prophecy as being, um, pedagogical or teaching is an interesting one. And I want it, I mean, so I have a thought on this, that, that often when people ask why, why did the old Testament happen? Right. Why did we have this huge long period and all of this occur? And, and you get the story. Normally it's like, oh, it's some sort of preparation for the coming of Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it, and, and I think that that sometimes. It's not that's not wrong, but I wonder if we can if there's a way of understanding it in a slightly different way, which is that that um, when we talk about Christ entering into history, like God enters into history, he really enters into history mm-hmm. and becomes a man in with a biography, a historical biography, like a man like the way we are men, like we are in a time and a place in history like that's mm-hmm. what that's what part of what it means to be a man that when Christ is incarnate, and becomes a man, he becomes a man like that fully in a, in a, in a culture, in a world, in a place that has a history. And so it's not what I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that that long preparation is not, is not just so that the Jews themselves or Israelite themselves are prepared to accept Christ, Mm. right? Because first of all, doesn't quite work that way, no. <laughs> right, but what more.
1: No, so you, so you, I'm just what, trying to build it up. Most people ask the question, "Why is it that like that God had to design the nation of Israel?" Yeah, why? We, that, why do we have it? And the answer that is often given is, "Well, because they needed to be able to recognize the Messiah when he came." So they have yeah, to give they all the forms have to and be structure.
2: prepared to receive him. And and, yeah. and and that's not wrong. But I want to turn it around a little bit and say that. The opposite is true too. They, like, they needed to be prepared to be the nation that Christ could be born into mm-hmm. to reveal God to the, to the world and reveal himself as a King. Right. So like there he's, he's born as a baby so that he can be educated so that he can develop as a man in this nation that has this history so that when he preaches the truth, he can preach it in the mode of that nation. Mm-hmm. And that is a mode that has been prepared, right. Has been prepared through centuries of history to be intelligible
1: to the nations. Yeah. You see what I'm, he came as a baby grew up so that he almost could get lost in the temple to know the point. I mean, I mean, one way of sort of a shorthand of
2: all this would be that the reason why we have the old Testament is so that Christ can have Mary, right? Like so that he, he can be born of a Hebrew woman who is a part of that culture who then raises him in it so that when he preaches the truth when he preaches the kingship of Christ to us it's it's with all of that language all yeah. that cultural <clears throat> idiom all well, that it, history
0: it it does make a lot of sense out of the old testament because it seems like again and again the old testament is always taking a form of of the nations of the of the world of the, especially the power structures of the world and then just changing it a little bit or like in a in a very significant way while retaining its exterior form so right. it's like well the nations have kings you're going to have kings like this the nations have priests you're going to have priests like this the nations have sacrifice you're going to have sacrifice like this the nations have idols you can't do that but you can have a temple. you know a temple without an idol
2: yeah right, right. <laughs> or the nations have the nations have
0: armies you can't have standing armies you have to have right. this you know again and again everything we think of as like well describe the human world what's it built up of everything that we would say well it's got governance and kings and armies and all markets and money and blah 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 everything that we would say the old testament deals with And then through law creates this difference, right? So what I'm saying is this makes sense then that what you're talking about, that it was preparing for a boy to be raised into that, Mm-hmm. And then to be able to speak a language that is still comprehensible to all the, and, and I think just barely comprehensible, right? Yeah, right. But like just it's, teetering, just it's teetering, it's teetering on the points, edge, right? Because right. at some point you might say, "Well, this, uh, that's not a king. Like I am a king. You're right. doing something weird. Mm. I, I just want to go to war with you. I don't want to listen to you." Right. <laughs> but
2: <laughs> Pontius pilot. Like
0: yeah, right, <laughs> right. So there, it's not to say it's not to say it's a um, you know perfectly comprehensible. The whole point is that it's just comprehensible enough. To be an opportunity to make conversion to possible. convert yeah to convert yeah. and so Jesus is born speaking a language that is is fundamentally Jewish and because of that fundamentally comprehensible to the nations while being pushed to the very uh, edge of comprehensibility with the the work that God wants to do with
2: all those with that human world so but one of yeah. the things that I, I find attractive about this is that we don't then because there's a tendency to view the old Testament as like a series of failures where it's like, Oh, well, we'll try this. Oh, that didn't work. You know, now we'll try something else. Oh, that doesn't work. Now we'll try something else. Oh, that doesn't work. And then eventually you get to the point of, well, I guess we better send Jesus, you know, like at the end. And there's, there, there is that narrative in there, right? Like that, that, there's that narrative in there, but that is mean, even it's, the parable. That know? itself is pedagogical. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the it's the failures are a part of the forming of the people. So like if you look at the book of Judges, there's this there's really the recapitulation of the Passover story, right? Like what I mean is that you're 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 enslaved and part of your slavery is, is the mm-hmm. result of your own sins. Mm-hmm. You reach sort of rock bottom, you cry out for help, a savior, <laughs> is sent, you're redeemed into righteousness. Then you do it again. Then you do it again. Then you do, you do this cycle over and over and over again. And like what's happened and then, the, and then those cycles happen on bigger levels of scale and the bigger plot lines within the old Testament, right? Not just, there's like the micro plot lines and mm-hmm. then the bigger cycles, but what's happening there.
1: Wouldn't it just be easier to go to confession? The,
2: but, but don't you think that what's happening is that is the formation of a culture within which that is their meta narrative. Yeah. Like the way they view mm. the world is through these sort of cycles and that that is then the world that Christ can come into and preach the final the final act here. Yeah. And it's like it's it's intelligible, right? Mm-hmm. Like the language is there, the culture is there to receive it. Mhm. Um, and it's not that they haven't, asc- that they've ascended to an a, a almost level of perfection. And then the final sort of descent of God comes mm-hmm. to get them the rest of the way. Yeah. It's exactly that, that it doesn't matter how long it goes on, they never get past that cycle. You know, it's exactly that um, that is preparing them for Christ who redoes the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's not the about, finishing touch.
0: Think about all the. <laughs> I mean that makes a lot of sense out of especially the beginning of um, the narratives of Jesus' ministry, where everyone's trying to figure out who he is. Yeah. Like, is yeah. he a prophet? Is he John the Baptist? Mm. Is he How do
2: we fit him in the story? But it's, it's
0: precisely that. Like, what's amazing about that is not so much that what's amazing about that is that they knew that they had to fit him into one of the categories. Right. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Are you, a, are you a prophet that's preaching for us to reform yeah. before we fall into slavery? No, no. not. Then what are you in the story? Are you? Yeah. You're yeah, right? right. Are you David? Yeah. Yeah. So then, the, then it becomes like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm the end of it all. Mm-hmm. you know right is awesome
1: yeah there does seem to be i mean before we turned on the cameras you're talking about the uh the death of herod you know and there does seem to be like a real like yeah. uh you know movement against we are defeating god kings now instead of letting them lord it over us god just kind of interventionarily kills them off so just yeah yeah like just the <laughs> hit real quick like herod uh goes off to tyre and he's and on that an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and made an oration. And the people shouted, the voice of a god and not a man. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him, oh. because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and died. Eaten by it- worms. <laughs> so
0: yeah, it does. I hope Herod is in heaven. Like I hope the experience of being eaten by worms was sufficient purgation for him, but... You know what's amazing about that is if that, that story was about a Jewish king, we would barely blink, right? Like if, if the whole story was like a Jewish king gives an oration, everyone says he's a god. I mean and, and in some ways this well, it happened with Nebuchadnezzar, who's not who's not Jewish, but within that context, we we know what that's like, right? Well But what's amazing is now that Christ has come, it's a pagan king being punished for idolatry. Right. By an angel of the Lord. I mean, isn't right. that fascinating? That yeah, yeah. that now the um and I and I'm not saying that I think it's I think it's a teaching moment. You know, I'm not saying that this is now like uh, a mechanical law that wherever there's idolatry, there'll be an immediate worm worm attack by the Lord. Um, That'd be nice, actually. Would That'd be sweet. that's how we <laughs> could identify idolatry. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's like wherever the worms are.
0: Yeah, saints are incorrupt and and idol worshippers get eaten by worms. Yeah. That'd be right so- But then we might not like it if, like, our friends, I don't know, they just (laughs) (laughs) got to leave room for uh, (laughs) conversion, (laughs) tears within the wheat and all that. (laughs) But but it does seem like the message there as the kind of final act of the Herods is the death of a would-be god king um, Mm. by an angel of the Lord, that you also have the the new yoke that Christ is putting on the shoulders of the nations now, right? So up till now, up till Christ, it's been Israel who alone is to be the, um, ones who rule not for private gain, not in and through idolatry, but, but, um, for the sake of the weak. And now you can see how in the gospel, um, as it, as it spreads, this is now the imperative for all the nations. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, so they all live under that great risk of the gospel. They all live exposed. Um, Girard talks about this, that like, once you have Christ, um, you live in a much riskier world, a world that is necessarily tending towards apocalypse because any, um, uh, that kind of peace in which we believe that the world is essentially comes forth from the hand of a King of of a man of men um, is no longer possible to us. Um, so we can't establish peace in any other way now, but
2: conversion. It's so, you're so vulnerable.
0: Yeah. Extremely. Because when you do it, you do it nakedly. Yeah. When you Mm -hmm. say, okay, I'm going to establish a new peace in my name. Right. You have to, sometimes I don't think we can fathom like the real change that must have happened that like, that was to hear that was a moment of getting rid of our fear and anxiety to some extent to say, Oh, like there's a God among men and he is going to dominate the world and we'll live within that peaceful world that now with the coming of Christ, it's like, that's always exposed as wrong and idolatrous, which means that (laughs) there's no human solution anymore. Mm -hmm. Like it's just conversion or apocalypse. That's sort of the.
1: Yeah. And and that's what you find with these two Kings mentioned at the beginning of the two gospels. What's the Herod and Caesar. It's death on one hand and conversion on the other.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Between right in the lines. That's cool.
1: I like that. To your point.
0: Yeah. Why do you think um, the angels announced the birth of Jesus to shepherds? I just have wondered about this because I think we... I've definitely heard, and this comes from the medieval tradition, well, they're like the rustics. Yeah, know? yeah. They're, the um, uneducated, uneducated bumpkins. But it's like, well, but there are a lot of uneducated bumpkins that were doing other things. <laughs> you know, like ditched it. But you think that the,
2: the, the I mean, I, I'm just speaking off the top of my head, but the, the whole shepherding, shepherd, shepherding the sheep component to it mm. has got to be, has got to be something. These are people who care for the, like devote their life to caring for mm. very, very stupid animals. hmm I mean, (laughs) so I mean, maybe there's, there's something, there's something to it that there's something, I mean, shepherds come up, turn up a lot in, in mythology as being a sort of ideal type.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Right. Not just in Christian and Jewish mythology. Oh, Think about David. He's out with the, isn't he out? Caring the caring to the herds. But are there other examples? Oh yeah, of? yeah. I think in 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 pagan in pagan mythology and stuff, there's a sort of idealization of the shepherd. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. because he's he he's out, he's by himself. So there's this idea like that. that he's yeah. sort of contemplative. He's right. caring for animals. You know, I mean, there's a he I mean, is also self sufficient. There's a romanticism words, yeah. to the yeah. sh- to the shepherd. I think, but yeah, um, yeah.
0: Know. You see throughout the Old Testament that um, one of the ways that God distinguishes the kinds of king or the, or the work he's doing with kingship is to raise shepherds to be, to be Kings. So with with David, it's not, it's not incidental, um, that he's a shepherd. It's, I mean, he says this himself when he defeats Goliath, he's doing it precisely because he has the experience of defending his flock, um, from attacks of wolves and, and such.
2: Yeah. And, and uh, that, that has a precursor in the, or it's more or less contemporary in the pagan. So like Plato will talk, talks about the ideal King, the ideal statesman as being a shepherd, right. but then progresses to say, but that's not possible. Wow. Mm-hmm. Really? Like in the statesman. Yeah. And then to say, but you know, it's really unrealistic. Or to it's, have a shepherd it's too really? complicated yeah. of mm-hmm. his problem. He can't, he can't shepherd each individual the way he would need to right. in order to be efficacious. So we have to have laws and we have okay. to have these, you know, and, and so, and so he becomes it becomes a sort of averaged or utilitarian yeah. sort of conception of rule, in that in that discourse. Wow. But but they, the, the the beginning of the discourse is, is is reducing the ideal king or the ideal statesman to a shepherd, wow. like a shepherd of souls. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: that's incredible. Yeah, I mean that actually makes, <laughs> it makes good sense too. I'm thinking about um, two passages, one in which Paul calls us the. Uh, or, excuse me, first of all, in, in Proverbs, when you know that famous parenting passage of spare the rod and hate the child, yeah, you know, where, where clearly there's a rod in everyone's, in every parent's hand, like right. the, the, the the rod of rulership, right, right. of scepter. kingship, yeah. the scepter, the scepter's yeah. in his hand, yeah, and then also, you know, corresponds with being a, a nation of priests, which, you know, in the ancient world, priests just were interchangeable with kings for the most part i mean you find that like pseudo jerem talking all about how how the idea of messiah or christ could either be translated as king or as priest mm-hmm. um i mean obviously you have yeah the great connection between the between the gods uh the god kings who are mediating for the country with the invisible gods right you know everything else as well um but that makes sense it like it comes back to I think, you know, what we now, again, uh, uh, in a different space and time in the church history, call subsidiarity, but the fact that everybody has a scepter of a sort, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to rule and design their family and their life. Um, this does seem like the, shep- and the Shepherd fits that. You know? Yeah. He I mean, literally does have the Crozier. Well, mm-hmm. you
0: think about it being announced to kings on the one hand and shepherds on the other, given the whole narrative of. Um, the Old Testament, in which the shepherd is the ideal king, and in which whenever they fail, you know, like when David fails pretty dramatically by taking a census of his people, um, mm-hmm. uh, he, in in confessing his sin, returns to the language of shepherding. He says, um, "You know, the fault is mine, but these sheep, my people, yeah. what have they done?" Mm-hmm. So you can see that within the Davidic kingship. you're kind of bound on the one hand by an image of of the God who you're not supposed to be and the shepherd who you are supposed to be. And then David's life is one of, you know, being the shepherd and then failing and being like the God and then moving back and forth between the shepherd and the God King. Um, And it seems to me like when the good news is announced um, to, on the one hand, kings and on the one hand, shepherds, there, there is a, um, it, this is a very. I'm just making this interpretation. So I <laughs> assume there's,
1: yeah. there's, there's a literary, literary device, a, here. a
0: literary device that seems to me to say that now this kingship, which was sort of, um, you know, encapsulated as preparatory, like we need to make this kind of king so that Jesus and be, being king is intelligible to the nations, well, and all this, but it also speaks of the universalization of the principle that. Um, in the same way that when we originally look at well, where's the first kind of shepherding? We actually look at Adam, who's keeping in the right. garden, which is the 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 verb for shepherding. Um, that now the this mode of kingship, this mode of rule, is now possible, like you're saying, Jacob. I think um, uh, universally, like it's. Maybe it always was. It's just that it's now because of, uh, because Christ is making it not the completely separating it from the, um, amassing of wealth and power into a formal kingship. He's also opening it up where, well, now everyone has to use whatever power they have in a shepherd like manner. Right. Um, so now that image, which was the model for a, um, divine or, or rather moral kingship um is now the image for all of us we all have to ask if we're being a shepherd or a god
1: king uh, it's not just a sign it's a, a symbol itself as well because it's not just that he's he's coming literally for these people he's mm-hmm. coming actually for these people so that we might be these people sure yeah come in and changed and so as you say. And so I think when the medieval
0: tradition then looks at that and says, well, it's because they were rustics, it's because they were the poor, they're saying the same thing, which is that Mm. it's universal now, it's to everyone. Mm. Um, But what I think, maybe all we're adding to this is just that what's also universal now is the political theology. It's kingship, yeah. So kingship is now once again universalized precisely in the manner that retrospectively we say it was universalized before the fall, right? That Adam Mm. had the fullness Mm -hmm. of kingship, of, of being a priest, a prophet, and a king. Um, That that possibility is returned and the way that we show that it's returned is we pick the bumpkins and we, you know, give, we tell them to do the same thing that the actual kings are doing. Namely, go find the, go find the boy. (laughs) Right, exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, there goes the pipes. It's okay.
0: Alex was, anyway, so that's, Hmm. you know, go be a shepherd, I guess. (laughs) What else? Anything else? Any, any, uh, any gingerbread flavored takes from, from the Christmas narratives?
1: We were talking at our house the other other night. Oh, about... I've got one. Oh, okay. Before you talk about well, it. Right. Well, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. This no. one I have
0: <laughs> has <laughs> we're not gonna talk more about it, but there's a medieval tradition that Mary circumcised Jesus. Whoa. Yeah, it's it's like this weird one. That is a weird one. Yeah. It doesn't fit. Nope. I don't think it was true. It leads to a few really cool pieces of art. Um and then and then a totally <laughs> really? unique I want to see that. totally cool. unique um uh, so allegory between Mary and Zipporah, as the oh, right. um, one who circumcises Moses. Yeah, And
1: that's all I have to say about that. Okay.
0: Yeah. Anyways, what are you Moses' saying? kids. Yeah. 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 yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, that'd be kind of maybe too intimate. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, no, we were talking in our household the other night about the uh, the two types of wisdom, or like two. I mean, there's so many types of wisdom we might say, but the two ways in which Saint Thomas categorizes wisdom. W- on one hand he categorizes you talking about that with blaze well he's <laughs> <That's prestigious. incredible. laughs> he's a great listener yeah, yeah. <laughs> just... i was listening Yeah, well, yeah he was, yeah. He was, he was <laughs> discoursing to you yeah <laughs> sort of
0: jesus in the temple situation st thomas yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyways <laughs> about two kinds of
1: <laughs> well i was saying it was an intellectual virtue and he's like no he's he situates it in the you know on the on the section on gift and so we we're having a father-son fight and we finally realized that it was actually just two types of categories that wisdom find finds itself both in. Mm. Um, on the one hand, it's something that we can speak in to discern. Like what is the real cosmic order? How does everything actually fit in? And uh, on the other hand, it's just something that you receive, you know, it's, it's like a theological virtue in that, in that regard where you have, you can only, but accept. And I, I think that, The wise men, you know, where we just kind of interject that word wise into the translation, um, represent that. Because on the one side, they're discerning. They're able to find where the new king is to be born, but only only can get so far. They need that revelation. They need wisdom as a gift as well for them to be able to get all the way to him. So anyways, that's just a little, do you think they received bell, that, that,
2: that gift when they were offering their gifts to the baby?
1: Hmm.
2: I mean, do you think, because they, they well, go I mean they,
1: referring to the scribes, like I, in, get yeah, I get yeah, it. I get what yeah. you're saying. But
2: that, that, that at that point, it's like, it's like they, 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 their their sort of pagan knowledge gets them so far, their wisdom, their mm-hmm. worldly wisdom. Then there's revelation that yeah. like Jewish, the Jewish revelation is sort of the law that tells them legally where this is going to occur. Yeah. Right. Right. So there's a revelation there, but it doesn't seem like the fullness of the gift of the gift. That's a, that's a precursor to the gift. Right. Isn't it? It's an anticipation of the gift. Yeah. Then they're at, they're at the, 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 the cradle itself offering their gifts to the baby. And then they, they go home by another way. Mm. And it's like, are you wondering if they're leaving, having received the fullness of the gift of wisdom? Right. Right. You know, at that point, having worship to the God. Did
0: you just make that up? I just did. Nice. Awesome. That seems totally true. It seems like there's a sequence
2: there. Yeah, leave by yeah. another way definitely doesn't just don't mean... Don't come it. back by the same way... Don't go back the same way you came. Right. The same right. way you came is through is through worldly wisdom, and you're going to leave by a different way.
1: But that has that has to be true. I mean, the whole thing about how wisdom with, was with God from eternity... All right. And that, and that wisdom is the one that descends and becomes incarnate yeah, right
0: well and, and to to just bolster that by sort of plugging it into everything we were just discussing they're they're going by another way is is directly to avoid and trip up uh raging god king exactly who's yeah. kill literally killing infants at this point um, in order to make sure that he's the the sole sovereign
2: within his petty little regime (laughs) his petty little like survival regime i know that's the thing about harrod like Like we always forget is just a like a worthless little slave
0: i know like caesar could just like replace him in a and and often he has to like barter with caesar yeah right (laughs) like if you read the history of the harrods i mean it's pathetic um but it's like (laughs) seriously but i but i think that's i mean sometimes sometimes there can be this moment of like wait are we like what what if the interpretation is wrong because these in fact aren't this isn't, in fact, a, a great king. He's obviously under. But I think that's actually it's more to the point that, that how painful, um, yeah, that that's what human kingship actually looks like. Is that it involves that? Um, I mean, it's a lie. Is what I'm saying. Like that, you can theoretically have some officially first. You know, it's the emperor. It's the, but even that, it's not true that he has some kind of sole sovereign human power. That if you actually look into the lives of the emperors, it's this constant you know uh, sacrificing and trying to you know play the political game to retain their power it's it's servile it's Mm -hmm. servile from top to bottom and so like there's a revelation in having herod who is such a such a uh, toady yeah be the be so so there's two (laughs) so so it's like on the one hand the narrative provides us with like christ versus caesar which satisfies the whole very clean political theology but on the other hand like when it gets down to it he's fighting herod and, and that's mm-hmm. like maybe a, a deeper revelation of well, what that actually, what what Caesar's a, just a big herd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think Jesus was born among animals? I've always wondered this. And since we're, well, you, you don't well, have to have an answer. I've just been genuinely curious. It seems like significant
2: because the nativity scenes are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what else
1: are you gonna like? <laughs> so the kids, out of wood, you know? the kids, play for the kids. There's a to the Adam.
2: She does, oh. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think mean,
1: that's he's, right. He's there again, and know? that
2: he's he he brings the the redemption that Christ brings is the redemption of the entirety of the of the creation, right? Yeah. You know, through redeeming man, he redeems all. Mm-hmm. I mean, the animals too are in on it. Well, right, and you have the angels and the angels right. and the whole the whole cosmic hierarchy.
1: Wow. Even the fact that he's in the feeding trough, you know, not only is that allusion to the Eucharist going ahead, but it's also even redeeming the things that we were supposed to raise up the plants themselves my my it's a little ominous my wife has thing. this
2: has a box of christmas books that come out when we get into advent we start reading to try to get the kids excited for christmas and there's one of them that is really really cheesy but i really enjoy which is um it's a it's a story about the animals in the manger mm-hmm. who who like know that they they somehow know that mary's coming and so oh, they're wow. preparing. I mean, in the stable, and they're preparing the manger. They're preparing the stable, and the animals are like, "He's coming! He's coming tonight!" We have to like get this ready, you know. And that's then, awesome. yeah, yeah. And I love it for just that reason. It's like, well, the animals are in on this too. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You know. Yeah. That's
0: awesome. <laughs> that satisfies. It's me. very heartwarming. That satisfies my desire
2: for an answer on that one. <laughs> Cosmic hierarchy, new Adam. That's and that's and so. there's just the the direct poverty of it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, sharing a dwelling with with the animals.
0: Well, and the cool thing about talking about Christ is whenever you have some like literary question, like why did this happen, one of the answers is well, just did.
2: It's history, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't like a this isn't like a play. <laughs> it reminds me, and you know that scene in *Brideshead Revisited* where where Charles is just sort of making fun of Christianity uh-huh. and and he's like bringing up Christmas and he's like, Oh, all that wise men and like the animals in the stable and all that kind of stuff. You don't actually believe all that. And then the response of, um, Oh my goodness. What's his name? The main character. Anyway, the response of him is, well, well, yeah, I rather liked that part. I mean, and this is like when they're drinking and partying, it's the whole Oxford <laughs> thing. And he's like, well, what do you mean? Of like, of all the things mm-hmm. about Christianity, <laughs> like the one I believe most, most sort of obviously is the whole, like, Nativity scene with the animals and the magi yeah. and all that because that's awesome. Why in the world would you dispute that? Yeah. <laughs> so what I, my point is that it's yeah. just like on the face of it, it's just something that is that we all find attractive. It's,
1: it's so short. Right. I
0: only ask the yeah. question because I first find it attractive and then well, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Right. Why do I find this attractive?
0: Totally.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's why I never really like. I appreciate the um, the Warren Sebastian.
2: His name is Sebastian. Sebastian. I'm sorry. The drunk. Yes. Yes. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> uh, I, was, I was just saying I don't, I don't appreciate the war on Christmas. I don't really think it's the war on Christmas that that most people think. I think it's just in like the uh like German theologians, you know. Yeah, they're yeah.
2: like, oh, he was really born in a cave. Whatever, man. Who cares? <laughs> Can you even imagine being such like a Grinch? It's yeah. such like a curmudgeon that that's something that yeah. you think you should bring up. Oh, he wasn't born on this day. Whatever. It's like you know, yeah, you know that was just like the solstice.
0: You know that that census wasn't like the right census. It was really the other census
2: like what
1: <laughs> oh my gosh calm down <laughs> eat a gingerbread yeah. yeah yeah that's right well should we call it call it a day sure i, have, we, I think uh, this is coming out on the fourth day of christmas so everybody happy fourth day of christmas hope you're enjoying it with your family say a prayer for us we have we'll... a lot of
2: toys to build before that oh man and a lot of work to do yeah, you you're, do you're gonna lot.
1: get arthritis in your little oh my god you're goggles, building a doll
2: you're yeah. building a dollhouse right oh Oh, yeah, i am i am and it is a major endeavor so i, I was supposed to get a dollhouse because it was like oh she's at the right age of daughter and and sarah my wife was suggesting these like plastic things not i mean like what about this one what about that one and i'm like no how about <laughs> this all wood victorian three-story mm. beautiful and then i and it's so like, i get it and i'm starting to put it together and it's like every shingle every piece Whoa. of molding. You're actually it's building like, a house. You're building the house, a little tiny house. <laughs> <And> like <laughs> my big, my big clumsy hands. And I was like, uh, <laughs> barely even do a big house. Yeah. Painting each individual little piece and then holding it, Why gluing it really? together. Oh yeah. You build these little houses. Ha- but it's, it's, Opulent.
0: Does it have quarter round around the floors? No. Okay. (laughs) Although you could. (laughs) I mean, you don't don't have to. The options are incredible. (laughs) I think it says something about the difference between you and I that I found a dollhouse that was being thrown out in the trash
2: (laughs) and and just snagged that. (laughs) It's like I'll take that. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Well, We'll I wish I had done that. Well, you got. No, I mean this will be great. It will. This will be great when it's done. But I have many hours of work yet ahead of me and two days I'm building my son. Of... oh
1: my gosh two days we have two days is it two days or three whatever oh, wow. my kids had a
2: big discourse about this today about how many days it is depends on do you count today do you count Christmas itself oh yeah and, you know
1: actually it was interesting because in, <laughs> in one of the anathons this morning it was um, uh, do not be anxious your lord will come in five days and I was like whoa wait, wait. that's I, th- I think he comes sooner than that actually well he'll
0: come then
2: too
1: yeah yeah that's <laughs> true yeah <laughs> Anyway, this is all.
2: This will all have already happened by the time people are listening to this. That's right.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm building a bat
0: cave out of a cardboard box for my son. Is it a
1: bat cave like Batman? Elix is Batman? Batman? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I thought awesome. you meant well, technically bat.
0: he's Robin, though he has some. Are you ch- Batman? Sometimes. Cool. It's, it's do you have a mask? Or a little bit a fluid costume. I don't. It's more of an identity. It's cool. I have a small family, so right now we can it's like Batgirl, Batman, Robin, and Bat Baby make up our house. Okay. Yeah. Be careful what you read. Yeah. <laughs> you might become it. <laughs> That's
1: awesome. All right. Okay. Awesome. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Bye bye. <laughs>